When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business, putting the business back into lady business, taking it back into our own hands. Um, And today, though, we have a very special guest, her name is Taryn Toomey. I'm sure you know of her. If you do not, you were soon to be a devotee and a subscriber to her company. She's the CEO and founder of The Class. Hi, Taryn. Hi, JJ. How are you? I'm so excited to have you on today because I think you have such an amazing story that's going to resonate so well with our listeners. Um, tell us first a little bit about The Class. And what it is. So the class is a cathartic workout where we use the sensations in the body to examine what type of thoughts we have about feeling. And that's really like, what? What did I just say? I know. (laughs) It's a map-based workout, music-driven. We repeat one move per song for the entire song, invite students to close their eyes and observe the thoughts that their brain is giving them, right? The mind releases thoughts. It's an organ. Its function is to create thoughts. We observe what the thoughts, the thought patterns are when in discomfort. And then after an extended period of time of doing the same movement, you can examine if that's a thought or a feeling. You decide if you want to express it out of the body. And then we invite students to make sound to release it. So it's a somatic practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go through a whole journey through it's an hour long experience. Um, the standard classes um, where we move through a series of long contractions into big cardio flushes, uh, sweating, uh, anything that feels right for the person to express the energy that's stuck inside the body out so you can create a more balanced experience of understanding the natural essence of the originality of you, which is your soul. Yeah. It's like a workout and therapy session all in one. (laughs) I have a hard time describing it still, which is so fascinating because when I first started the class, people would always say, well, what is it? And I still get tongue tied, which is wild, but Um, It's so hard for me to simplify what goes on in the class, especially because it's so unique to each person. Some people for the physical component, some people start through the physical and then they end up having realizations around things that they never even knew could open because it's one experiencing their own self. 
So the, the teacher is not, there's no, no guru mentality. Nobody has the answer for you. The teacher is just there to help guide the student into waking up the parts of themselves that they're ready to, to take a peek at and experience uh, and understand what part of self is driving the show. If it's the mind that's creating an imbalanced structure in your life, which Usually the imbalances live in the mind. So the, the mind is, you know, the thing that creates control structures or uh, if it moves in toward greed or power, that's all mind. It's the, the soul in the body is, is not imbalanced. So understanding what's making you uh, take action in your life that's based on an imbalance or something that actually fulfills you. Um, that's really what the class can provide at the end of the day. But, you know, the student has to be willing to step in and experience what it is. So, yeah, I mean, I know for me, I've been taking the class. I started when I left Rock Nation and I didn't I left it without having another job. And so it was the first time in my entire life that I actually had money and no job. And I was a single mom to two and a half year old twins. So I don't know why I thought that was a good idea, but I did it. And I would take the class mm-hmm. and it was very cathartic, you know, because it is, it's a workout. So you're getting your workout in, but it is as cathartic is like the perfect word for it. And then, you know, um, when I started working again, I, I couldn't take it as much. I would take it actually after work. There was a place uh, closer to where Superfly was. And then really, I think a lot of people really discovered it as well. If they couldn't be in New York or the places that you could be physically um, when, you know, COVID hits and everybody needed that cathartic release and a workout at the same time. And I think it really helped a lot of people mentally and physically, you know, in those times of quarantine and cooped up and you just needed to get release and stuff. And I mean, I still, I know when I need the class, like I know I wake up and I'm like, I definitely need to do the class today. And, you know, we'll get into all what you're doing and digitally and offerings and stuff, but like suffice it to stay, there's something for everybody and there's something um, for a time frame for everybody, which I've utilized the 20 minutes and I've utilized the hour and 15 minutes. So, so I basically all that to say, like, I understand why it's hard because it is, it's an individual experience, but it's also hard as fuck. I, you know, they do burpees. Okay. So just so you know, burpees are involved. And at one point I had like, like I couldn't do it on my wrist anymore. I went like this on my knuckles and like, I had like open knuckles. Like it was just like crazy. I was like, so into it. Um, so let's go back into how it all started though. Right. Cause it's not like you're from a fitness or yoga background or anything like, and this is why it's so important as women and how you can build things that you don't even know you can build. Right. So yeah. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, I mean, that's the truth. Didn't even know I could build. I still look around sometimes and I'm like, Holy, where did all these people that I, I just respect so much come from and they work with me and we have such a beautiful I, it's just I'm still fascinated by it every day and humbled by it every day and just grateful for it every day um, the class started a little over 10 years ago in the in a room it was actually a storage room at the time in the building that I was living in and I was really just to kind of scale back a, or to span back a bit just a really challenging upbringing, um, a lot of neglect and abuse and all of the things that come with all of that was having a hard time with some things that were going on in my personal life. 
and had decided that I was going to just start moving in this way to combine the physical workout because I, I'm kind of like a, I like to check a bunch of boxes gal. So I, I knew that the physical component to it was important for me. I also knew I was trying to examine some parts of me that felt like they were really old and stuck. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that music was always a way that I had self-regulated growing up. I would always early on sports, going for runs, all that kind of stuff. And I just started combining uh, these things together with uh, moving in sync with a few friends in, in it started with one gal and then it was two uh, and then it went to five and then it grew to 10. And then we outgrew the little room we worked in and we started working down the hallway and bit by bit um, I started in essence, it was like germinating, marinating what is now the class. So I did it that way for about two years. And, you know, I had young children at that time and, just navigating the way to self-regulate by and sharing that. Um, getting a little bit skipped up on my words because there's so many different paths that I could go. And for simplicity's sake, started there. After about two years, it outgrew that space. And then and, were people coming to like with you, you would just invite people and was it like free at the time? Or were you charging? So a woman named Mama Kia had passed. Uh, she was a woman. That's why my mind was kind of jumping around because there's so many stories in the stories and just to stay in the lane, um, she passed away and I was dealing with some grief around that, a lot of grief. Um, and my midwife thought it was postpartum and I sat with it for a while and I was like, it doesn't feel like that, but it could be. And then I went back and forth and I realized it was grief. And I started the class. Um, and at the end of every month, I would ask this, the, my friends that would partake uh, to just donate to her children. She had an orphanage uh, of children that she had adopted down in Peru. And at the end of every month, we would just send the money to her children just in to keep her spirit alive in, in a way to help heal. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was kind of sk- skipping around yeah. because I was like, do I go into that story or not? So it was really, I was trying to heal and sharing what was working for me. Um, also dealing with historic stuff and current day stuff uh, that, you know, of, of all navigating trauma with things that were going on in my life at the time. So trying to bring community together, music together as a way to heal, sent the money down to Mama Kia. After two years, we outgrew that the space and I had to have a real hard conversation with like, is this ever going to be anything other than this little room that I work out with these with these people that get my email and say like, I heard you have this thing or like a friend would bring a friend and it just grew from there. And I eventually decided to give it the name, the class, because I couldn't decide what to name it. Um, My friend, Jamie Baird, who, you know, Mm -hmm. was a photographer that I had been introduced to. And I was like, Hey, I had this weird vision for this thing that I want to launch. Will you just bring your camera into my friend's apartment and just shoot this thing I want to do. And we did it in like two hours. And then I like got a website, a Squarespace thing and a mind body. And I was like, threw up the pictures and named it the class and did a website. And then I started teaching the downtown dance factory, mm-hmm. which back in the day, this is eight and a half years ago. So there's a lot more of like incubators now where you can have this idea and then bake it out. And, but back then it was definitely a little bit rogue and weird. And we were in this kid's dance studio twice a week. And then those classes sold out right away. So I added a third class 
And then I was like, wow, okay, well, people are definitely making fun of me while I walked down the street. Like, oh, there's that girl that like makes a lot of sound and does burpees. Like, and there was a lot of that experience and I still have it, you know, and it definitely, I use it to bring it back to the work to get that out of my body. That's, that's for each, you know, if it doesn't resonate with people don't come, but the challenge of, of kind of being on the front end of innovating something new that's not out there and then being shamed for it is an interesting thing to navigate. Um, and then bit by bit, brick by brick, I built it. I, I really did believe that I knew that there was a methodology in it of a lot of things that I was putting together from my own. Um, I was doing psychotherapy at the time. I've done a lot of uh, trauma work on myself. I've sat in a lot of ceremony way back in the day down in Peru um, I have my own connection to higher power. Um, it was just combining all of these things. And I knew what I was doing. And I knew that I could teach other people how to do it if they also understood this because of the own work they were doing on themselves. Right. So at the time, people were like, there's absolutely no way that you can scale this thing. It's a, it's a brand of personality. It's only you. And I knew in my gut that I could, but I was up against a whole slew of people saying no. Right. Can we stop on that for one second? Because it's something that I love when women bring this up. It's like women, there's thing called women's intuition, right? And when somebody is not walking in the room that have walked in the same steps as you, even especially not the same gender, knowing what it's like to walk in to do business, then why would you listen to them? They don't know. They don't know the market. How many times have we heard when women are like going to raise money and and they tell the product, the men are like, oh, I'll see if my wife likes it. And it's like, okay, this is like, what does this have to do with your wife? Like, I'm telling you, you can make money. It's a business. You like to make money. You have to trust me. So look, your intuition is so strong. And when you listen to your intuition and it keeps coming up, these are things and instances that I love on, on this podcast and for women to share because- it's so important to listen to yourself. So sorry to interrupt, but keep going. <laughs> well, what you just touched on is the exact way that I built the class because yeah. when I would become when I would feel confused or overwhelmed by the feedback from the outside world, it was so meta, I would take it to class. I would bring it to class. And at the end of class or during class, when I was embodied and I wasn't just in the mind, which is like, do this, do that, and the whole fear structure that gets created by believing that you're going to do something wrong because you're not listening to someone as opposed to listening. Right. And it's a completely different experience, but unless you have your relationship with your intuition and the, and the difference between intuition and thought, right. The mind creates the thought, but the intuition is this sense of uh, you can feel into it. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of that. I did believe it for a while. Um, I still sometimes wonder if I did the right or wrong thing. And then I bring it to class and I'm like, look around at the reality of what things are now, because it's old stories that come up, you know, that, and I hear you on that because I, I had to raise a round to create digital. And a lot of people that I would speak to would say, let me talk to my wife or my wife knows or my girl or whatever it is. So I heard that story firsthand all the time. And it's not about that. It's, It's about following this sense in you that says, Mm, that just doesn't totally feel right to me. And to me is the thing, because it, 
it can feel right to someone else. You're following that, that guidance of someone like, I don't know, tell me, or I'm building this thing because I simply want a business. And you created a business and you created a business. Tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. But that's not what the class was. The class was something that was coming through me in a completely different way. So, um, yeah, so blah, 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 <laughs> to get back to what you were, what you were asking, um, brick by brick, built it out of the dance factory, still in this cycle around believing what people are telling me, which was like, this is really weird. This is going to end. And believing that because my mind was becoming overwhelmed with the feedback around fear. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you know, and honestly, it was just fear, fear of being shamed, fear of being you know, I, I didn't even know what it was. It was such a weird aspect of like fear, believing something that hasn't happened, you know, or, or believing it and living it 40 times before it hasn't happened. That's what fear is, right? But when you get into your core self, when you get into your center, what does it feel like then? Mm-hmm. And then then act from that. Right. Um, so then I taught the Dance Factory for about I would say about three years before I decided to get a studio and it came through one of my student friends who actually was a male. Um, and he said to me, T this class has really changed my life. And I have signed a, a lease on a space around the corner and I want to hand the lease over to you and see if you would want to open up your own studio. And I was like, absolutely not. Everybody keeps like telling me that this thing is going to end and I believe it but I also kind of don't. And everything would just show up. It was a little bit of um, what Chris Sanborn says, the combination of data and magic, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's like, and the dance of those things of knowing when to turn following the data and knowing when to move into the intuition and the magic Mm -hmm. and that combo. So as these things would show up, I decided to sign the lease, built out the studio, um, hired some people in place that are still with me now um, to run the studio, to do teacher training. Uh, and then we trained some teachers and, and out of the gate, it was definitely a little bit, um, <laughs> I was teaching a lot of the classes just to pay the bills, but I still really believed in it. I believed in us. I believed in the team. I believed in the method. Um, I believed it was much bigger than me. And after a couple of years of, of that, we, there's so many other stories I could tell in those stories. So I started thinking about digital. And the reason why I came to that was because I had hired and trained enough teachers to realize what was working and what was not working. And what I did realize is that it was not scalable in the way of teaching people how to teach a fitness class, right? Mm -hmm. You can teach the physicality of the body. You can teach the understanding of the movements, all of that stuff. But the class was more than that in terms of what we're getting people to experience. So the difference of teaching somebody how to do something as opposed to holding a space and offering things in, in a way for the student to engage with themselves, it's nuanced, but it's different. So I realized that getting the teachers into, uh, you know, to finding the proper teachers was going to be a a bigger hill to climb Mm -hmm. that if we could really focus on, on getting the right teachers in place and then scaling that digitally, that's where we could keep the truth of what the practice can offer 
and then reach more people. So that was the question that I had. And a lot of people were like, there's no way that you can make this digital. There's no way, there's no way this is pre pandemic. Yeah. Pre, you know? And that's what I was going to say. It was like, what, this was like 2018, 2019 ish. Right. So 20, yep. Yep. Yeah. So way before people were thinking everything was going to move digitally because obviously COVID fast-tracked all of that, but you had this vision and intuition to go out to the market and raise money and start doing it digitally before. So you were totally prepared, which is like everyone else is doing catch up. Um, it's interesting because I went back and forth on doing the digital thing, mostly because I was concerned about the students and I didn't want to bring a camera in the room and feel like I was creating this safe space for students to be vulnerable and allow whatever needs to move out of them to move out and be recorded. Mm -hmm. So what I decided on was that we would only do live classes and we would stream the live classes and make it so the students that were at home streaming in were in the room with the students. And then the thing didn't live on forever where somebody, if they had a, a beautiful experience or awakening or, or were, you know, in a cathartic moment or crying or whatever it was, that it was recorded and lived on forever. Right. So that's what I finally landed on. That was only after months of going back and forth and going into other teachers' classes and being like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And I think that, beauty of the humility of saying like, I do not know, please show me in, in a way that you, you allow things to then show up later. Also while following the data around what the customers want, making sure that there's money in the bank to pay your bills and balancing this line of, of all of those things is super important. And I think women really have that in them the intuition and the intelligence. I, I don't think that men don't, and I'm not trying to draw a line in yeah. the sand around who does or doesn't, but I think that that is one of the things that, that is a, the creative aspect of the, the, the divine feminine in a way, yeah. right? The, the creators. Um, so I would go to class and I, I just kept feeling like, keep going, keep going, keep going. And it was up against a huge hill. Everyone, I mean, not everyone, because we did do a seed round and I was able to raise enough money to hire a team to create the digital product, deal with music rights to all of the different testing around what it felt like for the student to deal with like beta and feedback and all of that. We soft launched in October of 2019. This is after, you know, a good year of going back and forth and creating the product. Hard launch January of 2020. Felt like it was going to be maintenance for students that that understood the class. They could do it at home. They could get a quick hit, at, you know, a little microdosing themselves at home, and then get it to people that had never experienced it before, while they could experience it in the comfort of their own home. Because one of the things that I felt was a lot of people were intimidated mm -hmm. when they would hear about the class. Oh, you have to be able to do burpees and you make sound. Not for me, right? Um, and to be able to try it at home might be able to open up the space where more people could experience the medicinal quality of what happens uh, after right. doing the class or in the class. And then March of 2020 happened and uh, it, it just exploded the whole thing. Yeah. I'm um, ready. In, yeah. So let's go back a little bit to like, here you are, you're creating this like cathartic experience and it's very ethereal and, you know, and then you have to like go into this corporate environment and raise money, you know, and you have to be this like different person. Like, how did you prepare yourself and how, like, what were those meetings like? And, you know, explaining it. 
I mean, raising money is a real, real thing, huh? I mean, it, it just, it will suck the life out of you if you let it, or you could learn so much from it if you let it. Yeah. Because there are so many no's along the way. And if you put your intuition and your knowing into the camp of, oh, that person rejected me, as opposed to there wasn't an alignment there. And if they can't see or feel what I see or feel, then you're going to go into partnership with somebody that doesn't anyway. And then the whole thing is going to end up going down the wrong road. Right. Right. I mean, I got so many no's and I started really believing what people always downloaded into me early on, which was like, you can't do anything with this. This is just like, just stay in your studio and teach your class and like make it a lifestyle business and have fun. And, you know, I just, I knew that it was bigger than that. I knew that it could help people heal. And I knew that um, it helped me heal. It still does. And I, I wanted to keep believing that, you know, it's hard to pitch something to people when they've never had an experience of it themselves, because it goes right into business mind. Mm-hmm. Can I make a lot of money by doing this? Mm-hmm. Is this scalable? Is this woman completely crazy? Or is there some magic in there that I don't know and I will invest in, right? It's like this yeah. weird, it's this weird balance. So I knew what I didn't know, which was a lot. Yeah, and that's key I, too. I love yeah. that point because that's another thing women often think it's like, well, I don't want to bother anyone or I don't have enough money, so I can't do it. But it's like, we need to, you need, you know what you're the expert at, right? And then you need to hire the people around you to help build it, you know? And it's so important. And then, and we always talk about in justice for like building the matriarchy and like, yes, you have a lot of male mentors and we have Chris Sanborn who we love, you know, is, you know, your COO and he's amazing, but it's like building that and understanding that you need to hire those people around you that are subject matter experts that you trust that can help build it. So that's another really key, key point. All right. So and that's we- why when, when I raised, I raised really because I knew I needed to get the proper team in place. And when Chris came on, he was like, you're a newly funded company. I don't have any idea why I'm saying yes to this job, but everything in me is saying yes to this job. Right. So, you know, there was a certain order of things that, that I had to put in place. And I only found that out by tuning into my intuition and asking questions. So I think that the balance of those things of being like, I don't know, but I know that this person has been there before and I trust them. So I'm going to ask them mm-hmm. and I'm not going to put my, like, I know all this stuff and, and fake it in those places. Right. And then at some, sometimes you have to just zip your suit on and say, you know, I'm going to be very embodied right now and believe in what I'm doing and know how to walk in a room and believe in what you're doing and be okay with people being like, no, Mm -hmm. and not letting it take the thing that you know out of you with those no's because it can, right. It can very, very quickly just deflate all of your intuition and make you believe something because of the no. And they can also be beautiful alignments into the things that worked out. So I raised this round, I created the platform and then we launched it and then COVID happened or lockdown happened. And it really gave us the resources to be able to grow the team in the way that, that we wanted and needed to, to make it now a global platform. So, um, and it really does have to do a lot with believing in what you're doing 
being able to collect information that you know you don't know by asking people who you trust. And then from there, those people that you trust usually say something like, I don't know that, but you know what? Let me introduce you to someone else. Let me introduce you to someone else. And then just take meetings and have lunches and do things with people and understand that there's information that you can collect from all of those things. What does resonate? Take that on. And what doesn't, you just, you leave the rest, you know? And how many, and you've launched, you said globally, like how many countries are you in now? Oh my gosh, I should know that number, but we stream all the way down to Australia. So we are in, we're in Europe, we're in Australia, we're in South America, we're in Mexico, we're in the US, we're in Canada. Amazing. Yeah. We're still working on some uh, some other things behind the scenes right now, which is what the lockdown kind of swell of, of business did for us was allowed us to be able to create our own. We're launching a bunch of new stuff in, in March, um, our own app, which gives so much uh, user flexibility and, and time zones, all that kind of stuff that you know well that we've had to to work out with music rights and hows and whens and whys. But, you know, we stay very close to our customers and we ask them what they want and what they need. Um, We make sure that we listen as opposed to just, you know, a lot of times people are, I think that the idea of just like raise more money, raise more money, raise more money is the way that people value success these days. Ridiculous. That just means that they're not making enough. (laughs) like necessarily or you know raise when you have money in the bank so that way you don't really need it but what are you raising on yeah and what are you going to spend the money on so staying really close to the the customer and our student and making sure that we know what it is that they actually need and listen to them making sure there's enough money in the bank making sure that you're growing at a cadence that makes sense for you not just raising to have money in the bank, but to know what you're doing that for, to know who you're going into partnership with, and then staying really close to the, the product and, and that it's still continuing to do the impact and, and the positive impact um, in the way that it was meant to do. I think that that kind of balance, it's, it's a dance, you know? Right. And you did it in, in all those steps, right? It's like, you're now you're going to have your own app after a certain period of time, but it's like, you had to use other technologies or utilize other people's, you know, software and stuff in the meantime, in order to get through that, because a lot of people think, oh, I need my own app immediately. And it's like, well, if you haven't even figured out what your product is, why are you spending all your money in that way? You know, it's like, be very intentional about all this stuff. So it's been very smart, you know? And like you said, like, who knew that you were going to be here? What is it? Eight and a half years later. It's like crazy. It's amazing though. It really is wild and it feels super fulfilling because it's actually helping people. It's not something that was yeah. just business plan that I wanted to figure out how to get money in the bank. It's super yeah. fulfilling because it's same. Supporting. Like that's where we started the justice department. It's like business and uh, like, if you're going to spend your whole day doing something, do it with purpose and passion and things that you can look at your kids and be like, I'm away from you right now. And something that really matters and it's going to help people. It's not just to like, make more profits for X, Y, Z. It's literally like, yeah, we want to do that. And we shouldn't be embarrassed or shamed for making money as women. Like we want it too. We should have it because it gives us freedom and convenience 
and options. And those are all things that women need way more of. And so, you know, you're doing it on your own terms. You are doing it like, you know, intentionally and with purpose. And those things really matter when you are, you know, you're a single mom with, you know, your daughters that you have to look at every day to be like, I'm doing the right thing. I'm trying to make this better for you, this world better for you, you know, and not take the resources away, give them. Yeah. And, and to al- allow them to see that, I know my girls, I have the same conversation with them, you know, as, as them watching me as a single mom, it's, it's, it's interesting because I allow them to be a part of the community as well. You know, I've taken them on retreats and they see, we'll have meetings of my apartment. I mean, more so now, but, and I would allow them to be around during these times so they could see what was going on as opposed to the I'm just checked out or I'm just, you know, and, and I know that that is a beautiful gift that I'm able to have. And, I, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, but I think that seeing their their mother doing something as opposed to just falling into a path, which I think a lot of people said to me early on, like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this? Aren't you married? Like, everything's fine. And, and I always just, I found there to be an interesting feeling where as a woman, I'd be like, maybe you're right. And that's just right. such a old story. And I think that we're really taught from an early age that you get married you get married to, you know, ideally someone that can help do the thing that you don't have to do. So then you can go over here and do this thing and don't look at the, the finances or, or don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not for you. And I was brought up really broke, really broke. And when my parents got divorced, I moved in with my aunt and uncle and my relationship with money was that you never had any. And you should always be fearful. And our house got foreclosed on when I was young. I remember walking up and having the the sign on the door and all the whole thing. So for me, losing what you have was a reality because it happened. So because I grew up in this way that money was a real problem and you lose your homes and you live with your family and, you know, abuse and all of this other stuff happens during that period of time. It's still very much in my bones. And when I, you know, met my ex-husband, I remember still feeling that overwhelming feeling of I'm going to lose everything. And I don't even know what everything is. Right. I don't know. Even if you do make money, what does that even mean? It's almost like an illusionary feeling of like, what is a little, what is a lot? And when you do make it, what do you do with it? And how do you reinvest it into your forward? And what do you hold on to? And how do you X, Y, Z? Like if you grew up not having any, when you have more than or enough or less, like it just, you don't have a relationship with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Understanding that as a woman, yeah, understanding that as a woman to me, especially with the history that I have, it's complex, you know? 
Yeah, no, I know. I know. Well, we've talked about this and from the same poverty mentality and it's, it's really hard to then like get yourself out of it because there's always this little like thing in your head going, you're not good enough, imposter syndrome, et cetera. And just even as a, just a woman in general, but then growing up with nothing on top of it and really being told that like, you're really nothing and you have no money and you're never going to get it or deserve it. It's really difficult, but you know what you have, you're an inspiration to so many people. You, uh, you know, you, you stuck to your intuition. This was not something that you thought you were going to be doing in life. And, and now you are, you're showing that you can build a business and learn along the way and hire along the way and ask questions and have humility enough to, to know what you don't know, but at the same time, still be true and strong in what you know you can build, you know, and I think that's going to be like, there's so much advice and nuggets. I don't even have to say like, what advice would you give? Because I think you gave so much of it. So I know that you actually have a day, you know, other than just talking to me. So um, we're going to wrap this up. But the one question I do always ask women, because we get a lot of it is what is the worst advice outside of all the other ones of not doing it? What's the worst advice you've ever received? Oh, my goodness. There's so much. I mean, everything that I just said, really, which is like, this is stupid. And you're all these things and you go hide and, you know, figure out how to not do what you're doing. Um, I think it's honestly just to keep raising money. Yeah. When people just say, raise, 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 raise. Why? Why are you not raising? Why are you not? Why are you not? You know, it's like, I think that it's just the wrong message. And I think that, you know, it's something I, we could, I could talk about more bad advice in that, but um, I think more means better means faster Yeah, is really the opposite. I think yeah. the pacing of things is really key. So yeah. raising more money means more people in your business too, by the way, less ownership for you, less decision-making ability and more people all over your business. So you know, no, it's yeah. great. I think that's really good because so many people are like, oh, I can't raise money. And maybe sometimes you just shouldn't like, you know, maybe you shouldn't, and maybe you can do it on your own and figure out other ways. Um, well, thank you so much. This is amazing. I know everyone's going to love this. And now you're going to have a lot more devotees of the class oh, if they not already. So if I people want to right. learn about and where to find you, where is, what's the website, et cetera. And yeah, the class.com. I know. Can you believe she got I that? I got the that class. URL oh. years and years ago. <laughs> the class.com. It's, it's like me getting the justice department DPG public. How did you get that? I was like, because they didn't buy it on GoDaddy. I did for $14.99. D-E-P-T. They have the whole spelling and the other one we're talking about. Um, This is awesome, Taryn. Thank you so much. Follow her. Sign up for the class. Do all of the things and let us know what else you want to hear about. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. I'm Jennifer Justice.